folks. It's Randy Wilburn here for another episode of Encourage, Build, Grow. As we have changed our format recently, we've had the chance to bring some amazing people on the show. And today's guest is certainly uh, part of that list of just great and talented people. I've known Kara Clower for several years now. She is the business manager and really pretty much runs the show over there at uh, Laco Associates. And she, along with Mike Nelson, who is the CEO and the top dog over there, have really made uh, considerable inroads over the past few years. And I've had a chance to just witness their growth. And I'm just excited to have Kara on today's episode of Encourage, Build, Grow, where we bring you the, the best and brightest minds and best and brightest ideas for design professionals, especially in the areas of leadership, leadership development, communication, and and a little bit of personal development in there. So Kara, it is so great to have you on the show. I really appreciate you deciding to, uh, or not deciding, but allowing me to twist your arm and agreeing to come on the podcast. And uh, I know you were a little nervous at first, but uh, I think you're going to do great. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And that was quite an intro, Randy. Uh, Now I have um, some high expectations and big shoes to fill. (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, that that is the case. And and it's so funny because I know we've talked a lot in in my former life when when I worked at my old firm, we had spent a lot of time working with you guys. And I've interviewed Mike Nelson before on a podcast. And I'm going to try to get him on this podcast at some point in time in the future. But, you know, you guys are, 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 are running things up there in Northern California. But why don't you tell us just a little bit about Laco and tell us a little bit about yourself. And, and, and you know, I'd like to share your superhero origin story with our audience. All right. Well, yeah. So we are located up uh, Northern California, up by the Oregon border. So we're, we're north of San Francisco, which is what most people think is Northern California. Uh, so we're a more uh, rural-focused firm. We started with one office here in Eureka, California, and that is where I originally started. And since then, we have grown and expanded south to Ukiah, California and Santa Rosa, California. So we're now sitting at three offices and we've experienced some significant growth for us in our rural area. So now we're uh, taking a step back a little bit and looking at our business to see, you know, what's our next step for growth and how do we situate ourselves. As far as me, I started Laco 12 years ago, and my story is definitely different. I was a recent graduate from Humboldt State University as an elementary teacher, and I was working toward my teaching credential. And this company, Laco, needed help over the summer with getting their files in order. And I was like, sure, yeah, I'll help out. I'm not doing anything over the summer. And I, I just stayed. <laughs> it, it worked its way up. It was interesting. So I came in with the focus of elementary education. And I kind of filled areas where there were gaps for them. They just kind of threw me anywhere and everywhere. And, you know, it's interesting because I just listened to your leadership podcast and you were really emphasizing the slow down, take your time, build your skills. And I feel like that's really what Laco allowed me to do. I came in, you know, thinking I'm just going to be an administrative or file clerk at that point and then worked into administrative services, answering the phone, working with clients and working with the project teams. And then I just expanded and I got involved with some of our project work with underground storage tank cleanup sites. 
And then I worked up into accounting and then I worked into a management role of overseeing the administrative services while also some of the accounting. And then now here I am. I am a small share owner, about 4%. And I'm the business manager and I primarily work with the leadership team now. And you know, we focus on what we need to do for our business to be a best firm to work for for our employees and also provide those quality services for our clients. Wow. Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, you guys are, you're doing a lot, that's for sure. And, and like I said, I've, I've had the benefit of actually hanging out with you guys in your offices up there in, in NorCal, as we say. And, you know, it, it is really amazing to see the growth. I remember you guys win and you guys have pretty much overnight have just blossomed. How, how many people are you now? You know, it changes. It's been changing a little bit, but I think we're about 75 individuals. Mm-hmm. And three years ago, three and a half years ago, we were about 45, 50. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's great. And, and I mean, I know it's, it is sometimes it, you would think that everybody would want to go to Northern California, but because of the cost of living and things of that nature, it, it can sometimes be hard to attract great talent up there. Very difficult. Yeah. So, and, and that, that is something that I know between that and a lot of the, the natural events, and I'm using air quotes here, that have taken place up in your area, the fires, a number of issues that you guys have been like firmly in the mid- middle of, that sometimes is, is hard to create a really open environment for, for attracting a lot of talent from other parts of the country to come there. It's true. And, you know, a lot of people in our industry, they really like to focus on the urban aspects where we're very rural. So you have to like the outdoors to want to live in our regions. Santa Rosa is an hour north of San Francisco. So there you can get the city life. But other than that, you do have to want to be near the ocean and near the rivers and the mountains. And we are more remote. To fly out of our airport is really expensive. Yeah. Uh, so if you're one who loves to travel and wants to just hop on a plane, you're going to have to probably drive to San Francisco and that's a you know six hour drive. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a great, unique area. I've lived here my whole life and I love it. It's beautiful. But for those people who focus more on the urban skills and that you know city life and faster growth, because you know things move slower here, you know, we're not the area for them. No, no, I totally get it. But that, and that's, that's fine. I mean, I think, you know, just like there's a LACO, there are other firms out there that serve the needs of their community. And you guys, I think, are doing a good job of, of serving those needs. And just out of curiosity, since we're talking about it, what, what is the type of individual that thrives really, really well in your environment there at LACO? The type of person that you would be looking for to hire if, if they were to knock on your door? You know, here a lot of our employees have a lot of autonomy and they have a loud voice here. I would say for someone to thrive in our culture, we want them engaged with the community, internal and out external, right? So we have a loud culture where we have a loud volume of energy around here. We like each other, you know, so if someone were to come into our company who really doesn't want to be involved with coworkers and they just want to show up at work and leave, they may be a little uncomfortable <laughs> with us because we do like each other and we do like to talk and get to know each other and be a little personal. As far as, you know, how our business functions, like I said, we do have an open forum for our employees to talk to us. 
and, you know, speak up. So we do have some very outspoken employees. Um, we like to hear different ideas and what they have to say. We can't always act on it right away, but we are listening, right? right. So yeah, we, for individuals to thrive here, I would say, you know, you have to be creative and problem solving because we are a small firm and our resources are tight. So sometimes we have to be a little creative in our solutions. But because we are small and rural focused, we're very family oriented. And that goes back to the, you know, we like each other. We talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Can I answer it? No, it it does answer it. That's good. I I, want to build a picture for anybody listening to this that may be looking for a new home or, you know, who knows, maybe you're somewhere sitting in the Midwest and you want to get out to the the wilds of Northern California and, and you're looking for a good design firm to lay your hat down, then Laco might be that place for That's you. Right. But this, this isn't a commercial for Laco, but, <laughs> but it is, it is kind of, so we'll I, take I think, it. yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> it, it would work. But w- why don't you talk just a little bit about kind of where things are going right now for you guys work-wise? How are you seeing things? Because one of the one of the goals of this podcast is to just hear from different people around the country and to check their temperature and pulse with regard to the amount of work that's in front of them, you know, big projects that might be underway, big projects that you see coming down the pipeline. Because I know that I know that most design firm leaders are have some even modest amount of concern about what the future is going to hold for work and opportunities. Are you guys bullish about the market and about where things are going from a design firm perspective? You know, it, it, that's, it's interesting because we're in those conversations right now of, is the economy going to have a downturn? We've been so fortunate over the last several years. And when do you start preparing for that contingency plan in case things start slowing down? And as soon as we start thinking about it, you know, we start getting a lot of work and it's like, wait, it's going to hit us. So it's, it's really tough you know, predicting where we are in our area, you know, is there going to be a lot of development or not? Is there going to be a lot of, a lot of our projects are grant funded, you know, so it's dependent on those funding sources. And then you also have, like you had said, the wildfires where that creates work, whereas other areas may not see that work. So it's actually really tough to predict. It's really tough to figure out that balance but we are in conversations right now with our team of, you know, how do we prepare and what are we doing today to set us up for if, it, if there is a downturn in the economy that we can preserve our employees' jobs and keep them busy through, throughout. No one ever wants to downsize and lose employees, especially in such a difficult talent market trying mm-hmm. to find those individuals. We don't want to lose anyone. No. But we also understand the importance of our firm surviving and making it through as well. So we, we're in conversations, are diff, we have different regions and they're all impacted a little different. So yeah, right now what we're doing beginning stages is just conversation. What's our contingency plan? You know, if it does start slowing down, what are some of the steps that we take to help us survive it? Yeah. So, and you mentioned a good, you mentioned a good point is that, you know, obviously really, really good people are hard to find. What are you guys doing locally in your area to kind of mine the diamonds that that exist right in your own backyard that may not be currently working for Laco? Are you going to the local schools? Are you, how are you interacting to kind of keep that pipeline going? Very good question. We started that three years ago because we are in such a rural remote area. We have over the past 
several years, we've hired over 40, 45 employees a year. We've added so many employees. I mean, that's attrition. That's, you know, the turnover and all that as well. Some of them were interns, temporary hires, but we are constantly looking for the next talented individual to join our team. We do have local colleges and universities here near us, and we are definitely very engaged. We have guest speakers. We have a biologist here in Eureka who does field trips with staff out, or I'm sorry, with students out at the beach with Humboldt State. We are constantly engaged with our community. Our community is our home. You know, we have an obligation to our community to be a part of it and to help elevate the community, advance the quality of life for our communities. So we are constantly engaged. We're constantly looking. I would say that because we've been doing this for three years, the majority of the talented individuals know we're here. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them are, you know, loyal to companies that are currently working for, and we respect that. So our next step is really looking to attracting people to want to move here. And I mean, because we have, we have like the, the engineers in training, you know, we have those ones we can recruit, we get them here, but then we hit the challenge of mentoring and how do we balance the workload of a project manager, the seller doer, who's also selling plus the mentoring of our engineers in training. So right now we're really looking and waiting for those engineers who have 10 years of experience. And Randy, you know how difficult that is. <laughs> I mean, it is just tough. And we seven have years, fantastic- Seven years experience is tough. <laughs> oh, it's tough. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, we have some fantastic engineers and they're now at the point where they're just struggling with that balance of quality work while also mentoring. But, you know, we, we're constantly bringing new ones on. It's just, it takes us time. We're not going to settle. We want to make sure they're a good fit. We want to make sure that we're a good fit for them. But yeah, it's really trying to attract them to our areas. And that is where we're trying to expand more in our Southern regions because it is closer to the cities. Whereas here in Eureka, we're, we're pretty remote. But yeah, man, we try to get our name out there anywhere we can in our area. And we really try to show that we're likable and that we're engaged in the community doing some great things. And I think that's a good practice. I think a lot of firms in the design space, and I'm just going to put on my executive search slash recruiter slash retention expert hat and basically say that a lot of firms tend to look at recruiting as a knee-jerk reaction that, oh my God, we have a need. We need to start looking for it. But what you're saying and the way that you're describing your efforts is that it's just a constant, steady drip. That's right. Of contact with the community, of being out there, being everywhere, you know, knowing the professors of the local universities that have design programs, just really engaging people right where they are and not waiting until the last minute to put a sign out saying, help wanted, you know, because that doesn't work anymore. Every firm has to be proactive about relationship building. Because I say that's the key. Like all of your hiring managers, and I'm sure you, and I know that you guys do this, but I know all your hiring managers have to know a lot of the up and comers that work at other competing firms. And I'm sure you've interacted with them. And if nothing else, just had really good conversations with them and even be on a first name basis, because that's the kind of relationship building that will pay off in the long run. Our business is built on relationships. If we don't have relationships, we're not going to have clients. We're not going to have employees. We're not going to have the community buying our services. I mean, relationships, like gold, right? You have to have them. 
and absolutely, we like I said, we're constantly looking to see who we can help, you know, elevate their career by being with Laco. So it's not just about us, but it's about them too. Because like I said, we do have that culture where you can speak up, you can share your ideas, you can ask questions and hopefully gain some really valuable experience and those, you know, great additions to your resume of things you've accomplished well with us. But yeah, it's it's a difficult market. And if people aren't always looking man, I fear for the loss of revenues for that time that, you know, it takes for you to look once you start. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, and that's a good point because every firm needs to know or needs to keep track of the metric of how long a position stays open within their organization. Like how long does it take you to fill a entry-level designer position? How long does it take you to fill a environmental science position? What, whatever are the, are the positions that you fill the most, you need to know unequivocally how long these normally take to fill. And if you're not keep just kind of the way people look at the the average days on a market of a house that's being sold, it's the same way with a position that you're trying to fill. You need to know how long on average that type of position is open until you get it filled. And you can even historically look back and look at the averages of, oh, we put this, we posted this position at such and such a time and we filled it three months later. We posted this at such and such a time. We filled this six months later. So you start to see patterns emerge. And a lot of firms, I'm always surprised when I go in and firms are just not doing a really great job analytically of keeping track of those metrics from a hiring perspective, because that will always be the tail of the tape of what you can expect. And then that way, you know, if there is work coming down the pipeline that, okay, I need to get myself ready and I need to start posting stuff now. I need to start you know, beating the pavement now. I need to start, you know, sitting kneecap to kneecap with folks now talking about this opportunity because I'm going to need to fill this position in the next six months. Yeah. You know, I know we're getting off topic here a little bit, but recruitment is close to my heart as I know it is yours. Um, And I just recently wrote an article actually for the Zwei group and it was on strategic retention what, because what firm it is, that? is such a tech market for Zwei Group. I'm just kidding. It's a, it's a joke. <laughs> I know. That's a, that's a oh, joke. No, anybody, anybody listening to this knows that I used to work at Zwei Group, so that's just a joke. So we will, started I will, coming out. I, I will figure out a way to get a copy of that article and put it in the show notes so we can share it with people. No, I, oh. I have I have a high affinity for the Zwei Group. I know you do. Uh, Mark Zweig and I are, are going to be the best of friends until the day we die. So I love it's, it. It's, it's all good. But, that goes uh, back to those re- relationships, exactly. right? And how yeah, important exactly. they are. Because no, you never no. know when you're going to need someone. You but never going, know. Back, going back to retention, strategic retention, because it is such a tight market for everyone in this industry, you have to know who you must retain to fill your strategy plan, to fulfill on it. Right. And if, if you're not thinking about those key individuals of, you know, we are dependent, either it's a position or an individual. And if you know it takes six months to a year to recruit someone that can fulfill on this strategy, then you need to be focusing your retention efforts toward those individuals that your strategy is dependent on. Because if you have a knee-jerk reaction in that way, you can just blow your, just kiss your strategy plan away. Right. Um, 
and and I know again we're getting off topic. No, um, no, no. That's but, I mean this that's that's an area of importance. I mean every if I had to, and I think one of the statistics that Zwei Group has always talked about, and and I think any design firm has acknowledged this that that even the most successful firms, which Laco is part of that 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 body of firms in the design industry that year over year have just had have achieved a great amount of success. Their biggest concern is recruitment and retention. 70% plus of design firms, even the most successful ones, yes. recruitment and retention is the elephant in the room. Everybody's worried about that. Mm-hmm. It just goes without saying, which is why my point is simply that, and getting back to what we've been discussing and what you have alluded to, that you guys are doing everything in your efforts to engage your employees where, uh, where they are to develop them. And I was going to mention that because, you know, why don't you talk just a little bit about your efforts to, to do professional development? Because I know I've actually been up there to do some training with your team and that was a lot of fun. And, I, you know, that kind of interaction and that kind of constantly giving, you know, the people on your team all of the latest relevant information and latest and relevant teachings to kind of help them grow. Without that, you are stuck with people that are not growing, and that's not a good thing. Yeah, that's right. We could definitely be doing better here, and we're trying to look at ways to do a better job with the professional development. And again, it goes back to that balance of how do we get this work done because we have a shortage of the qualified designers and pr- licensed professionals to you know, how do we also allot time for the training and the mentoring. So what we've been doing is, you know, we have relied on some external consultants to come in and to do some trainings for us, you know, and engage the groups. But what we've really realized most recently is that, this is probably common sense to most, that our, our frontline managers are where the biggest impact for employees are. And we need to really get them built up and trained and comfortable working with their staff so, because they are the ones that are providing the mentoring and providing opportunities for their staff. So we have most recently started a supervisor training program. And, you know, we started very basic. We started with the California labor law, where we would get all the supervisors in their different rooms, their conference rooms, and just really start talking about California labor law. For any of those listeners that are not in California, be thankful for this because our labor laws are quite intense and our supervisors need to know how to support their employees and how to follow the labor laws. So we started there and started looking at, you know, case studies and, you know, having more of an interactive dialogue. And then another thing in California is the sexual harassment training that they've mandated that is now required for all employees. And a lot of employers can take the opportunity of just having their employees do it online and qualify for the requirements. But what we've done is we've hired outside consultants to come do that as well, because it's another opportunity to get everyone in the room and to listen to questions being asked and to, you know, answer questions and really work together. Because peer-to-peer coaching is one of the most effective training mechanisms within an organization. So we've had those outside consultants come in. Um, We've also established some roundtable discussions 
where we've encouraged supervisors to get together and to just for them to talk peer to peer, get advice, ask questions, you know, hear what's working and what's not working. So right now, our biggest focus is really building up the supervisors and empowering them as, you know, they're the ones that are really impacting the employees. So we're kind of starting there. And then our vision is that we have monthly trainings that are interactive that, you know, address a topic such as difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, everyone can have a conversation on their opinions, but how do you sit down and talk about behaviors you're seeing and behaviors you need to see? And, you know, especially when it, when some of those conversations can be personal, like everyone's favorite example is when someone has a bad odor and it's Mm -hmm. really (laughs) abrasive. How do you sit down and tell the employee hey, we're getting some feedback from people. People are concerned, like there's an odor. Um, Nobody likes those conversations. But if we all run from them, how do we build a culture of inclusivity and development and growth and and really working together? Um, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so I guess putting a bar of soap on your colleague's desk does not qualify, right? And I'm being funny, so. No, no bathroom spray. No, no, no Febreze. No Febreze. No, no, we don't get to walk around. Uh, no, these are first world problems, though. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, and communication is key. It's one of the things that I talk about and spend time training on is communication because the the, the sooner we as individuals, as well as we collectively understand the importance of communicating, how we communicate to each audience, right? Because you can't just communicate the same way to every organization. I love that you just said that. So I love that you just said that. It just means that uh, your message has to be custom, customized right. and tailored to each group that you're going to be dealing right. with. Your approach in general, right? Yes. And that goes back to your leadership abilities and knowing who your audience is. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's what it's all about. And, and I mean, again, one of the um, examples that I use is that... Um, you know, Abraham Lincoln basically said he spends two thirds of the time considering the audience that he's going to speak to and one third of the time, you know, putting together what he's actually going to say. Powerful. So, yeah, I mean, and it's important. I think we just, we miss out on that. And we, we have this cookie cutter approach to communication where whatever message I share with Bob and Sue, I'm going to share with Larry and Tom, and it's not the same. And you've you've got to consider each audience. And I think it's important from a business development perspective, because you're going to communicate differently when you represent your firm and you're out speaking to stakeholders in the community. That conversation is totally different than communicating with a peer firm or communicating with, you know, some of the leadership on your own internal team. It's just, you have to know who your audience is and develop a message that resonates with them. Because what resonates with your leadership team, I mean, of course, everybody's going to be rah, rah, rah about what, you know, what goals or what you're trying to do. But when it comes to stakeholders in the community, politicians and other individuals, important people, you know, they have a whole different mindset and you have to know how to reach them. And if you try to create these canned messages that reach, try to reach everybody, that doesn't work. Yeah, so true. I I support that 100%. And so going back to, you know, other ways, things that we're trying to tackle the development of employees while also balancing workload is we just developed, um, created a new intranet. Well, actually, we, we worked with the firm who helped us. But, you know, so we've rolled this out to where now every team member has access to this intranet. And we are really encouraging that knowledge sharing of, 
you know, posting project specific information. And then what helps with that kind of content is that individuals like me who are not licensed professionals or who are not used to going to a job site and understanding what they're doing, you know, we get to learn more about what's happening out there in the field and what kind of work we're doing for the community. But yeah, so this intranet is a place to share knowledge, ask questions, to see how we're engaging with the community, to share relationship information. And this has been a a big contribution to our communication improvement. And we rolled this out in in April Mm -hmm. and we're already seeing great success with the tool. I love that idea. And I think even with the internet, you can even sponsor some internal training and internal classes that you can put up on the internet and make them available and just say, hey, if you're struggling with X, here's something that we've seen might help you out. And a lot of the stuff is just information that you can cull from online. You don't have to go out and spend a whole lot of money creating new classes and new trainings. There's so much. Listen, if I want to figure out how to do something, and I'll use this as an example, I had to recently learn how to propagate pothos, like golden pothos, so plants. And my plant was going crazy. And I was like, well, what do I do with this? And I went online to YouTube. I watched a video and I learned how to cut my plants down and then repurpose them in glass with water and let them grow and then replant them. I learned all that on, on Google. I'm not an expert. I didn't go to a plant expert. I did ask a couple of people a few questions, but I primarily watched a video. We have the benefit of YouTube. We have the benefit of all this information If you look hard enough, you can almost find anything that any issue, any subject that you want to address within your organization, you can find it online. And then if that's not enough, or as an organization, if you want to brand something that is for your organization and maybe goes a step further than just the generic stuff that you'll find online, you can either pay somebody to create it for you, or you can create it yourself and then put it out there. And I think the intranet is a great way to do that. So... Absolutely. Yeah, we did do that for our California labor law training. There is a video on our internet. Um, and we're still, you know, getting used to it and starting out slow. But man, it's a it's a great efficient way to share information out there with all of our staff. So everyone is familiar with what we're doing and constantly learning from each other. Yeah, I think and it's so funny. I think a lot of firms have gotten away from that. But I think there's still a real value in having an intranet. And for those of you that don't know, I mean, I'm not talking about the internet. The intranet <laughs> is part of the internet, but it's it's just your it just to think of it as an internal website for your organization where you are constantly updating the latest, greatest things that are happening, any wins. And I think that's the other thing, right? I mean, how do you guys, I'm curious at Laco, how do you guys let everybody know of a big win that comes in? Before April, I would have said it was really dependent on the individuals involved with that win and okay. them notifying in, you know, employees and coworkers. Now that we have this internet, we have special hat- hashtags that we encourage <laughs> employees to use. That's like celebrate. Right. You right. know, and so we do now have, you know, employees who are authoring posts on the internet that are congratulating our coworkers on the wins, even if they're small wins. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we're, we're trying to celebrate every chance we get, especially when you're going through transformational change. You yeah. have to celebrate those wins along the way or else you're going to lose traction and you're going to backslide. Listen, it's um, all about celebration because if you sit around saying, well, we'll celebrate when we're done with it, you're never going to be done. That's right. With work. There's always going to be something <laughs> new. 
But anytime something new comes into your organization, you need to get a bell, a gong, something to just acknowledge it. And especially for people that are putting all the work and effort into proposal development and all this information that's going out on a business development perspective, and then you finally win something and then nobody, it's crickets. That's like, that's no good. So you have to get it. You have to celebrate. Even if you're like thinking, well, Randy, I'm just, I'm more reserved. And as a leader, I just, I want my people to be reserved. People, maybe, maybe they're not going to be like you. So maybe you need to rethink that approach because everybody needs to have time to excel and celebrate. It's important. Yeah. And you know, what you just highlighted is a good, is a good point that not everyone wants the big celebration. Not everyone wants that attention. And it goes back to knowing your audience and having different methods is really important. We don't have a gong, unfortunately. That would be a lot of fun, but we don't. We're a little bit more reserved, but we do have, you know, high five cards that employees can fill out for a coworker. Everyone has access to them. And you basically just say like, hey, thanks for helping me out. Or, hey, good job on that. You really saved the day. You know, there's different check boxes you can do. And then you can go and give it to your coworker. You can mail it to someone in a different office. You can put it in their box. So, you know, even for those who don't want that public attention, you know, that big celebration, you know, they get embarrassed, they're not comfortable with that, have little methods that employees can do to where there's little quiet celebrations. Yeah. So you can still have them, but it's in a comfortable way for everyone. Yeah, I love that. And and I also love some of the stuff you guys do on social too, because I know I have, I have um, and, and that's so funny because I don't even work for you guys, but I think I've probably posted several times, hashtag in my Laco hat. And, uh, you know, my kids get a kick out of that. But, I, you know, people are like, Laco, what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's a great company in Northern California. So and we know. appreciate that, Randy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But it's the little things that do make a big difference. So that's right. Yeah, they do make a big difference. So, man, we've, I mean, I can't, we've already gotten almost 40 minutes into this podcast and, and we are, you know, we are really rolling here. So I want to, as we wind up, I wanted you to, because I know that you're currently going through and getting your MBA at Sonoma State. So congratulations to that. So not only are you busy helping Mike to run this place and, and, and just making things happen behind the scenes, but you're also getting your MBA. Just quickly talk about the mindset that is required in order for somebody, somebody thinking, listening to this podcast that might be thinking about, you know, stepping back and to get their MBA and how that might be helpful to them in a design firm setting. What has it done for you? What, what has it opened up for you as far as your thinking is concerned? Mm, I could probably talk about this for hours. I'm sure you <laughs> could. I know that's a lot. I know that's Let me a lot. process it. Just, yeah, just give yeah, us one, one yeah. thing that's really been an aha moment for you as, you've, as you're going through this program. Because again, keeping in mind, you still got your day job. You are working. I know that you've, you've traveled a little bit for this program and done some unique things I, I with do. it. Um, so that's kind of cool. But- just curious, what have been some of like one or two of your aha moments with uh, going through this training? Okay, so I'm kind of an odd duck. I am very driven by my career and I am driven by results, not money, not fame. I want to get the results. So that was one of the most motivating reasons to go into this program. I travel four hours one way for school. So that's wow. an eight hours round trip. I don't go, I go every other weekend. So mm -hmm. it's not all the time. But it's something that I definitely had to be dedicated to. It was a big conversation in my home. We have three kids in the home. You know, is this something we can do and we can support? And it's temporary. 
you know, a temporary sacrifice for long-term gain. And that was really important to me. So I would say my two biggest ahas or my two biggest things that I have gotten out of the program so far. The first one is confidence. Confidence in who I am, confidence in my knowledge and my abilities. It is difficult being in in a design firm and not having a design background. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. And I have worked, you know, for 12 years to really learn as I go. And, you know, I'm very knowledgeable of the administrative side and the accounting side, but the project space, you know, how do we do projects? I've dabbled a little bit, like I said, with the UGT sites, but I've really learned to embrace who I am and to be confident with my abilities and skills. And I now know and believe that there is a place for me in this company with my skill sets. And that is probably the biggest thing I have gotten out of this program is really learning, you know, the leadership skills like you had talked on your previous podcast, but the emotional intelligence, you know, being self-aware, socially aware, knowing how to manage your emotions. I'm a very passionate, emotional person, which again is a little bit uncomfortable for design professionals. And knowing how to control that and learning how to own it and have it be used effectively has been something that I've really gained from this program is, you know, this is who I am. These are the emotions I feel. This is my passion. Now, how do I bottle all of that up and focus it to the benefit of this firm? And that has really helped me working with the leadership team to have my confidence because everyone, you know, would say, Kara, we believe in you. Why don't you? Or, you know, hey, you always say really great things, but then you always disqualify it with a statement of, well, you don't know. You do know, believe in yourself. And that is something that I've really had to focus on because for the 12 years, I've always felt like an outsider. Mm. I don't know the design work. So for anyone who doesn't have a design background and you're really focused on the business aspects, I just say, man, gain that confidence, know your strength, know your abilities, know that, you know, your gut feeling, your intuition on business is right. And sometimes we just have to learn how to work together. And again, know that audience of what language do I need to speak to have you hear me and what I'm trying to explain. And that's been key. Yeah, no, I love that. That's, man, you you just, you sewed it up right quite nicely. And I, I think there's somebody out there that actually needs to hear that. So my, my hope is that, that this podcast goes, you know, both near and far and that people are take it in and take it for what it's worth because it's this exchange of ideas and this information and somebody is thinking what you're saying. And I just, that I think that this will just be a, a, an affirmation for them. So thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. So as we wind up, just a couple of quick questions for you to share with the audience. What's the last book that you read that impacted you? Oh man, I have read so many oh, books. Uh, yeah, it's a little I know. overwhelming. Yeah, Let so me not, think. Not Let necessarily think. school um, books, but um, just the last book that's really, really kind of resonated with you. Okay, I, I have it. I know it. It is written by I don't know how to say his name, Lior Arusi, and okay. it is called Next Is Now. Okay. And it is really focused on. It's got this humanistic approach focusing on the individual of how do we become and live a life of change resilience Mm -hmm. and focusing on ourselves of, you know, do we resist change? When do we resist change? What is it about that change? What are our fears? You know, experiment a little, test some things out, see if you're comfortable with it. I personally love change. I change frequently, you know, my, my hair appearance, our decorations at home, 
at work, I try to, you know, try new little practices out. But there are a lot of people who are uncomfortable to change. And the next is now the book. I really liked his writing style. He was very casual, very personal. I think that's probably the latest impactful book I've read. Okay, cool, cool. I love that. So, and what about the last movie you saw that really moved you? I don't really watch too many movies, to be honest. It could be a television Um, show. It could be a documentary as well. There was a movie we watched. I don't know the name. It was on Netflix, I believe. And it was about, oh, I Am Mother is what it was called, actually. And it's about this droid raising this child in like this shelter. Yeah, I've heard Um, about that. It was creepy. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, that was probably the most recent movie I watched. I, I don't know if I'd recommend it. I don't know if it made a difference on me, but. I think, you know, futuristic, is, it's a little creepy to think about. Yeah. <laughs> Humans no, that's being cool. raised by droids. Uh, yeah, it is. I, I've seen that advertised. I just I haven't checked it out, but now you've piqued my interest, so I'm going to have to look into it. So, And last but not least, last vacation where you really got to reconnect with yourself. Mm, that's difficult, too. I don't get that's out. Tough question, because it, school, it, it right? might expose you to the fact that maybe you need a vacation. So. I, you know. It's interesting because part of my executive MBA program, we're going to South Korea and Thailand in September. Oh, wow. Um, So with school and, you know, work and traveling and kids, uh, we don't get too many vacations. But the last vacation that is still with me every day is I got to go to Puerto Vallarta with my partner and it was just him and me. And not only did I get to reconnect with myself, I got to reconnect with him. Yeah. And that was probably the highlight of the trip was just being us. No school, no job, no kids, you know, no home to take care of. We're in a different country. Yeah. And really getting to reconnect at that level. It's been a couple of years and I just, okay. I'm still hanging on to that, yeah. that <laughs> so vacation. And it's, that almost time, it's almost time for a new, a new memory. It is so, time. Yeah, it is time. no, very good. All right. So next is now I am mother in Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> there that's we go. Good. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> we'll take that. Well, Kara, it has really been, it's been great having you on here. Like I said, I, I count you as, as a friend and somebody that I've contact, I've, I've remained in contact with since I actually got to know you and Mike a few years ago. and certainly excited for what LACO is, is able to do and what will continue to do. So I look forward to you being a part of the authorship of that organization. And uh, thank you so much for kind of bearing your soul and, and sharing your experience as a non-licensed professional. Because again, there is, there's always been, as, as long as I've been in this industry since 97, there's always been you know a little bit of a stigma there if you didn't have that PE or AIA after your name and or uh, RLA after your name. So I think it's it's saying something that this industry has really grown where individuals like yourself can be in a leadership position and really be affirmed and go out and do your best work. So I really applaud what you're doing. I'm cheering for you on the sidelines. And certainly if there's anything that we can do here at Encourage, Build, Grow for you guys, you have to certainly let us know. And anybody listening to this, if you ever want to reach out to Kara, we'll put her contact information in the show notes and you can touch bases with her privately just to let her know what you thought about this particular episode or maybe something that she shared that really resonated with you. We would really appreciate that. But but Kara, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast and being one of our early guests in this new iteration of the podcast that we think has 
has some potential to really grow because we're going to do things a little differently here. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you, Randy. I really appreciate it. And uh, likewise, your friendship close to my heart, man. We connected from day one. And yep. uh, I really appreciate your support and the opportunity of first time doing this. I was a little nervous. Sorry if I rambled. See, I got you. No, I got you, right? I told <laughs> you, you not did. to worry. You I, said, I said, I'll take care of you. Anybody coming on this podcast, I'm going to give you the kid glove treatment and take good care of you. So I'll make you sound like a million bucks. If, that's, right. if there's one thing that I can do, it's that. So no, you, you did amazing. So thank you so much. And uh, we really appreciate that. And folks, there you have it. Another episode of Encourage, Build, Grow. We are serving the design industry the only way that we know how, focusing on leadership, communication, a little bit of personal development and everything in between. But I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I look forward to being back with you next week. If you have any questions or ever want to reach out to me, just hit me up at randy at encouragebuildgrow.com or check us out online at encouragebuildgrow.com. Follow us on Instagram at Randy Wilburn. It's the easiest way to check in with me or on Twitter at Randy Wilburn and um, I will respond right away. So that's it for today and we'll see you next week. 